So today starts a new series. I like new series time. I always feel a little bit sad when we end one series, Proverbs. We just finished with God tweets, but now to come again at the beginning of this new series. And you'll see that today, if I get time, it's me, Bono, and Eugene Peterson that are tag team preaching this morning. And uh, this series will take us right the way across the main months of summer, that is July and August. For those of you that can't remember what summer is, historically it's a season largely associated with sunshine and a lack of rain, but things do change. We've entitled this series Songs for Summer, and essentially it's an exploration, it's an investigation, it's looking into some of the Psalms, which is the longest book in the Bible. Now, it's the longest book in regard to how many chapters there are. There are actually longer other books. If you take one Kings and two Kings together, there's more words. But in relation to chapters, the book of Psalms is the longest book of the Bible. And that's what we're going to explore over July and the whole of August. If any of you ever read anything of Tim Keller... Uh, please, uh, I'd encourage you to. It's actually signed to Steve Campbell. God bless you, Kathy and Tim Keller. It's not what you know. Um, a friend of mine got this for me. And it's a daily devotions, beautiful book, that's entitled The Songs of Jesus. A year of daily devotions in the Psalms. I've left this in your notes by way of a blank, just to em emphasize it for you. The Psalms were the songbook, or was the songbook of Jesus. When Jesus sang, and it is recorded in the New Testament that he did, when he sang, most likely it was one of the Psalms. It's the songs of Jesus. The Psalms were Jesus' songbook. I've just been back in the Wirral, See my mum for a week and where we lived, or where she still lives, is right opposite the church where I was raised. And in that church on a Sunday night, once a month, we used to have the after service. That was after we'd been to the early morning prayer meeting, to the morning meet, uh, Sunday school, to uh, church at 11, then to Sunday school in the afternoon at 3, and then 6.30, sometimes followed by communion, and then it was the after service. So it was a really restful day on a Sunday. And we used to play a game in the after service, which I entitled Him Bingo. Basically, you could shout out to the organist, Mrs. Comstey, your favourite, that's a real name, uh, the favourite hymn. So we'd say, number 45, and we'd all go to 45 and find it, and this is, we knew how to live. But we'd, we'd sing number 45, hymn bingo. And I wondered, I wondered with Jesus and the disciples, did they sit around around the campfire at night and play psalm bingo? Now, they weren't numbered by then, that came later, but I wondered if the disciples say, Jesus, can we sing that one about nestling under the shadow of God's wing? Oh, yeah. Can, can we sing that one about God knowing us, even in our mother's womb? Because the songbook of the disciples and the songbook of Jesus was the book of Psalms. It's recorded for us in the book of Matthew 26 and verse 30 that 
Jesus and his disciples a Passover meal together. That's when Jesus instituted the, the Lord's Supper as we know it. And it says in Matthew 26 verse 30 that they sang a hymn. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. It's most likely that the hymn they sang was what was known as the Great Hallel, which was the Psalms from Psalm 113 through to Psalm 118. And that was what they usually sang at the Passover meal. My favourite psalm, probably because it's the shortest psalm, is found in that section. Psalm 117. I wonder whether they sat together and that's the one they decided to sing, just that section of the great Hallel. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. I wonder did they sit and sing that together? Because this was the songbook of Jesus. When they welcomed Jesus in as the Messiah, the promised one, the holy one of Israel, into the city of Jerusalem, he was going to his death. They didn't still all understand it. They shouted out and put palm leaves down and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna means save or save us. It was their desperate cry of the need of a deliverer. And as they're crying, save us, so then they add this, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A direct quote from the book of Psalms. Psalm 118. Blessed is he, talking of the Messiah, who comes in the name of the Lord. So not only are these psalms sung by Jesus, but these psalms were all about Jesus. Some of the final words that Jesus spoke before he went to heaven were these. Psalm 20, Luke 24, verse 44. He told the disciples this, and I've been praying this prayer this week while I've been away, this last part, as a prayer. But he says, everything written about me in the Lord of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Did you hear what he says? Everything written about me in the Lord of Moses. That's the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And the prophets, both major and minor. And the Psalms must be fulfilled. The Psalms, according to Jesus, were about him. And then he adds this, and this is what I've been praying. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. I pray that for C3, because we can never veer away from the Bible. I pray that your minds will be opened to understand the Scriptures. I cannot, I, I, I've been doing this now for nearly 30 years. 
And I do not know, my mum said it to me again this week, how do you think of something new to say every time you stand up? Well, I said, firstly, I don't have to find something new, it just has to be fresh. And that's different. Because old can be fresh if it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the other way is, every time I come to the Bible, don't you find this? Not that me, if you agree, if you're afraid to say amen. Don't you find this? You can read old verses that you've read a million times maybe. And by the revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit, it goes ding. And you see something. It's fresh. It's new. And you look at it and you think, it's because, and this is the answer, it's because somehow it's a gift. And he loves to give it to all of us and many of us. He gives us a gift to understand the Scriptures. In the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, many of the Psalms are what are described as messianic Psalms. They are Psalms that talk about the Messiah coming and they're called messianic Psalms because in the New Testament they've been applied to Jesus as the Messiah. So the messianic, they're looking forward. So the Psalms is a really, really important. You know, when we get to every series, I find, I, inside me, I think, this is the most important series we've ever done. <laughs> and I think that about every series. <laughs> it just sums, the Psalms, Jesus sung this. These are the songs of Jesus, guys. <laughs> so we should sing them, shouldn't we? We should find ways to put words around. We should ascend the hill of the Lord, like Peter written one recently. There is a direct quote from the book of Psalms. This is the, this is the most important, life-giving, essential series ever. Because Jesus quoted from the book of Psalms so often. So we obviously thought it was quite important. So should we. Jesus quoted from it the most. It was a songbook of Jesus. Then they tell us about Jesus. Now, that's why it's important, but I have two pastoral goals. As your pastor, these are my goals for you and my prayer for you as we do this series. And then we'll watch a clip. God help me. Two pastoral goals. Number one is this. I want there to be more singing. And I don't just mean in our meetings. Because if you think it's just about an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half, two hours, whenever we meet on a Sunday, you've, got, you've missed it. I want you to sing in the car. I want you to sing in the, on the bike. I want you to sing in the bath. I want you to sing in the shower, carefully. I want you to sing everywhere you go. I want you to sing in the high days. I want you to sing on the holy days. I want you to sing on the low days. I want you to sing in the times that are tough. I want you to sing in the happy times. I want you to sing in times of, of grief. I want you to sing at weddings. I want you to sing at funerals. Please sing at funerals. I'm fed up of going to funerals where nobody sings. Sing. If it's a believer, sing the songs that they wanted at the funeral. Sing. You say, oh, I, I want to grieve. You can grieve in the song. In fact, you can grieve through the song and it might help you in your grief. So pastorally and prophetically, I want to pull it out of you. Sing. Sing, C3. Sing. It'll help you. And secondly, this, through going through the Psalms, I want you to get more honest with God. Honest or honesty with God. They're my two goals. Why? 
Because singing sensitizes the soul and releases the emotions. And there are too many bunged up, emotionless Christians or people that have never learned to sensitize their soul through singing. Some people have asked us, how on earth have you kept your children loving God and loving the church when they see it warts and all? And there are warts in the church, so we're not ignoring you. I'm not calling you warts, but you know, there are warts in the church. There's ugly stuff goes on. How have you kept them loving God, loving the church? I don't know all the answers. I think like Chris said about Anne, I, I looked to my wife and say she, she did a, a great job better than I did with my children. But one of the ways is we taught them to sing. And we taught them to sing in the car, on the way, like they did in Jerusalem, on the way up, songs of ascent. We used to sing on the way to church. We would sing the songs. We would make up songs. I remember making up a song. We're on our way to church. We shall not be moved. So you make it a super positive. No, we're on our way to church. Come on, we're going to church. We're going to the church, church, church. Do you want to come to, to, to? All, all, all complicated stuff like that, you know. We taught them to sing. We taught them to sing by taking them to concerts, by giving them music lessons. Oh, did we pay a lot of money for music lessons. But when you see some reaping of that, you think, I'm glad I did. And then you think if they only kept going on the piano, they could have been better. But all of that, I don't want to, don't want to make any, any uh, aspersions at this moment. It's not the only answer. But teach them to sing. Teach them to sing songs of deliverance. And if you can't sing, then find a CD that put it on and just, just use it. We, when we had on holidays, we used to, and it wasn't all Christian. We had some Daniel Beddingfield in there as well because he was a Christian. Um, and, and, and we had other stuff, but we made sure. I, we invested in the CDs of the latest, of latest Hillsong or Bethel or wherever it was coming from. And I know it's, it's not the only answer, but I know teaching them to sing sensitized their soul and kept them alert and alive to the things of God. Even in tough times, I remember going to funerals together of family members and just playing some songs as we drove in the car. Sing. I think it was Martin Luther who first described Christianity as this, a singing religion. John Piper writes, I don't think there are any other religions that sing like Christians sing. Christians really make music about their faith. You can find all kinds of genres of Christian music, if we can call it Christian. I don't even like calling it Christian music. It's just music that Christians are singing. But you can find all kinds of genres to help you express. Find them and use them in worship. Bob Coughlin, a, a pastor from the United States, writes about worship and music and in the context of exploring music and worship styles, he writes this, if worship is, by definition, related to musical style, this begs the question, which musical style does God prefer? Bach? Chant? Rock? Black gospel? Classical? Folk? Maybe he writes, in heaven, we'll find that God's music of choice is country and western. <laughs> Did I hear a yeehaw? <laughs> Some of you think, I'm not sure I want to go now. 
He writes this, what about elsewhere in the world? Which region's music heads up God's most listened to list? Some would just use America or Europe, but it could just as easily be Japan, Africa or Russia. How about historical periods? Is 18th century Western music better than pop? Is God drawn to the current music of, he writes, UK's Delirious and Matt Redmond, this is dated, Hillsong and Jesus Culture or Tim Hughes, then to 450 or sorry, Pete McCallan, or to 450-year-old hymns of Martin Luther. God loves it all. He likes all the genres. Did, did you see, and I've got to move on and watch this clip, did you see the Italian football team last night singing the national anthem? No. Was there, was there only me watching that game? Thank you. They went for it. It's like they were, I didn't, I, I didn't see the Welsh national anthem. Someone said they sang even more passionately, but I, I missed that. But anyway, last night, the, the, the Italians, they were almost leaning forward like this. They're singing their song of national anthem. With an, I thought, thank goodness. The England team, no wonder they lost. They were right miserably. They shouldn't be on the team unless they agree to sign a clause that says, I'm going to sing the national anthem with gusto. Did I hear an amen? amen? If that's the only thing you've learned today, then that's something good for you. Listen, this is one verse in the Italian national anthem. I looked it up. The union and the love reveal to the people God's ways. We swear to liberate the native soil, united for God, who can beat us? Let us unite, we are ready to die. That's part of their national anthem that they sang over a football game, and they lost. We should sing the songs of the Lord much more passionately than any Italian national anthem. Singing is in our DNA. I'm going to show you a clip. I've got to move on to this clip. Outside on the reception table, there are these books of Psalms by Eugene Peterson. The, the message paraphrase has been a gift of God to the church in the last generation. Came out around about late 80s, I think. And Eugene Peterson has taken the whole of the Bible and put it into modern paraphrase language. He's a scholar, he's a theologian. It's, it's not all the language we would use, but some of it is. It's, it's quite American in its focus. He's from the United States and Canada there. But when you read some of these Psalms, they really do inspire you. Number one, how well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along Dead End Road. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree planted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. You're not at all like the wicked who are mere windblown dust without defense in court, unfit company for innocent people. God charts the road you take. The road they take is Skid Row. And he just puts a new slant on it. £3.50, we have 40 of those outside. If you read just two of those a day, you would have read the whole of the book of Psalms by the middle of September. And it would have done your soul good. And you might want to sit and sing them. Just make a tune up. Now, my wife said to me, don't be telling everyone to sing when, when you've told some of us we can't sing. I'm sorry for the day I told my wife you can't sing. I publicly repent, and it shaped the whole of her life. 
I told her, you can't sing. I'm, I'm sorry I did, I really am sorry. But I'll tell you this, she used to sing a song over our children when they were sick. It goes like this, sweep, I won't get you to sing it. Sweep over my soul, sweep over my soul. Sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. The rest is complete as you sit at his feet. Sweet spirit, sweep over their soul. When they were sick. And to this day, when I hear that song or remember it, I hear Angie's voice and it's one of the most beautiful songs I've heard sung ever by anyone. Because it was love and it was protection. And the reason we sing, guys, is because God's a singer. And Zephaniah tells us, I will rejoice over you with singing. God sings. It's in our DNA because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And if you look in that book there of Zephaniah, it's after he's also told Israel, sing aloud, O Israel. To sing loudly is biblical. And if you do it any other way, you're not following the way of the Bible. He says smilingly, sing loud. Because God's going to sing over us. It's in his DNA and it's in us. I want to show you this clip that is by Eugene Peterson, the writer of the message, in connection with Bono. Who knows who Bono is? Oh, thank God. A rock star that has been around for a long time in YouTube. Some of the songs they sing are psalms. And this is the impact that the Message Bible had on Bono and their discussion about the Psalms. And you can buy that for £3.50 in reception afterwards or order it. If there aren't enough there, we'll get some more for you and get them here for next week. Or go online and get it yourself. Have a look at this. Bono, Eugene Peterson sharing the stage with Steve Campbell. I think you'll agree with me. The honesty and the refreshing approach that comes through that conversation is deep and profound and this is my encouragement to you sing and be honest with God so many of the Psalms start in desperation but through the process of honesty come to a place of hope and sometimes you just have to journey through the desert in order to get to the place of delight. But we can do that with our words. It would be wrong not to finish with a song, though it's not only about our meetings, and I know time has gone. But I want us to make a declaration of our trust in God. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever season you're in, sing and be honest. Let's stand and sing, I will trust.